Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered controls. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. If you're anything like me and you're just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect what's below the belt. Luckily, Manscaped has us covered. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Manscaping accents are finally a thing of the past. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a rapid charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code THPN, let me repeat, THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of the Grit Per 60 podcast, off-season edition. Mm. Well, gang, the Jets tried. They really did. Yeah, that's, that's about it. That's All right, <laughs> and we will see you next week on, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> my name is Connor Farrell, you can call me TC. To my right... Hey everyone, I'm Brendan, also known as TCJ. So, uh, the Jets are no longer in the playoffs after losing three games to the Flames. Um, and I didn't get to give my take on this last week. Um, because I was busy doing other things. Um, yeah, so my take on the series in general... The Jets could have and should have played better. Uh, even with the injuries, I don't feel like they really played as well as they could have. Uh, particularly early on, I think in the games one and two, I didn't see that much from the Flames that I was like, oh yeah, this is just a better team. No, the Flames were not a better team. The Jets could have beaten them in games one, and they did beat them in game two. But then after that, I, I think the Jets... Um, play really, they just didn't live up to things. And part of that is probably the injuries. Um, but I do think 
there was another gear that the Jets have shown this season that just didn't just didn't get there in games three and four. Um, that would be my take on just a, a general overview of what I saw from the series. You know, like when when Adam Lowry is your best player in the series, and Adam Lowry is great, he is. But if you're the Winnipeg Jets, you really need Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor to get more than an assist apiece. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know which uh, hockey god Kyle Connor personally pissed off so that he'll never score against Calgary ever. But whatever he did, he's got he's got to fix that. I, I mean, I I know Shifley is a big deal. I know missing Line is a big deal. But it, from some of these players, I feel like there was more that we should have seen from them today. Or not today. Wow. Uh, during that series. And I know this is probably old news, and you guys are probably sick of thinking about it, hearing about it, but um, that would be, I mean, that would be my, my biggest takeaway. Was, And, of course, Connor Hellebuck was he's definitely not to blame, um, but he wasn't stealing games the way he was in the regular season. He was good, and I'm not going to put any blame on him, but if the Jets were going to be successful, I think they needed him to stand on his head. And we didn't, we didn't just didn't get that. Yeah, I think that was one of the things for me, is that it was just kind of an odd series. I mean, it, yeah. kinda, it didn't really go the way I thought it would. Not in the slightest. Um, I mean, yeah, like I, I didn't predict that Mark Shifley was going to go down in the first, like, five minutes. Um, but still, I mean, it's always going to be hard when you don't have your top center. But, and this was something I pointed out on um, on last week's episode while you were off playing soccer, um, <laughs> was sure. that the Jets were, um, I believe, by expected goals for per 60 minutes, they were, like, I think 30th out of 31. Like, the only team that was better or that was worse than them was the Red Wings. So when you take away your best offensive driver, yeah. um, you're left with probably worse than the Red Wings. <laughs> and um, uh. generally, teams that are worse than the Red Wings offensively don't do well in the playoffs, I would think. Well, particularly when defensively you've got Josh Morrissey, um, Dylan DeMello, and some guys. Yeah. Yeah, especially that defensively. Um, so, is there anything else on that series? Well, I mean, we could talk about it some more. I mean, we've only been talking for about five minutes. I know, but I've hit all of my major points already. <laughs> it's just like, uh, how, how, I mean, the Jets didn't score. They didn't do a whole lot. Of, I, I still feel like if we got, you know... If they were just good, they could have beaten the Flames. In my are, are you saying that good teams win games? No, but I'm just saying... That's, that's what no, you just said. No. If they were not... Okay, I don't know how to... They played poorly. They didn't need to be great to beat the Flames. They just needed... Like, acceptable... I didn't see much from the Flames. Oh, that was the other thing. People kept saying how, how good that Matthew Kachuk line. And I'm watching this game, and I'm like, yeah, they played well, but 
I'm watching two Jets defensemen skate right past Kachuk in the slot as he receives a pass to score a goal. Yeah, well, there's like that one goal in game four. I forget if it was Kachuk or whoever. Uh, but it might have been Majipatna here or something. But it's like that goal that happened like right in front of the net. It's like one Jets defenseman and then like whoever the Flames goal scorer was. It's like two whacks at it in front of the net. And it was like, how did that happen in the first place? Like, of course yeah. he's going to score with like two or three whacks at it right in front of the net with nobody on him. Like, what did you expect Halbuck to do? I mean, yeah. Was Halbuck great the series? No. No. Um, but. <laughs> He deserved better than what he got. Oh, I mean. absolutely. He's deserved better than what he's gotten for the entire season. This is not new. Uh, but I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and it's, it looks like the Flames are doing relatively well against the Stars. Uh, but uh, to me, I thought the big thing was uh, special teams. One, well, the, I mean. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the power play or the penalty kill? I mean, they were... I don't... I'm not very good with the X's and O's, right? And so with both special teams, I'm just like, yeah, this is an area that they just need to improve. Um, so we can start wherever you want. Um, I, I mean, the thing that we thought going into this was that, like, the Jets' penalty kill was going to be a problem. Because yeah. they were awful in the regular season. Just awful. And, nope, still, still awful. Uh, I'm just looking at natural stature because they have five goals for Calgary at five on four. The Jets had two, and they gave up one at the other end. Yeah, there was so, a, I forget which game it was in the series. I mean, it might have been game one, actually, where the Jets' power play was outscored. Yeah, it was just... By the Flames penalty kill. It was a sorry state of affairs. And actually, like according to Natural Statric, the Jets overperformed their expected goals numbers on the power play. Ah! <laughs> they had one point. Well, un they had, they had one point seven, and they scored two goals. And I don't know. See, and you can say, well, they need to do better. But also, when we talk about the power play missing Mark Shifley, this is and this is something that um, Paul Maurice brought up several times that I think that is he's absolutely correct this is where they probably miss Mark Shifley the most is on that power play um, and so when you've got to retool I mean not just retool you got to recreate an entire power play because you're missing your biggest power play driver I guess is the way you want to phrase that you're gonna struggle when you've only got three games to figure four games to figure it out no I, I totally get it um so that, that, to me, that was the big thing. I mean, Hellebuck wasn't great on the penalty kill. He wasn't great on the penalty kill in the regular season. Um, but yeah, the Jets' power play, man, it was awful. And I think the penalty kill, when we talk about the penalty kill, the Jets don't really have penalty-killing personnel. I don't know what you can do schematically other than say, hey, Andrew Kopp is our best defensive forward, throw him out there. And then I guess Josh Morrissey is our best defenseman, and then Dylan DeMello, and then whoever else randomly forward you want to... Th I, mean, I mean, just... Yeah, I mean, to me it just always seemed like... I think, I, I I think this is the common denominator with all bad power plays. Is that penalty like, kills. Or penalty kills. Sorry, I was thinking about the power play still. Oh, sorry, I changed sorry. the penalty. Well, 
All right. Well, let me double back on the power play because okay. that's something I'm Never mind. And then I'll, then I'll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but is that to me? It seems like the common denominator for all bad power plays is that they just struggle to get zone time in the first place. Yes. And that would be something I would be interested in looking at is like the zone entry numbers on that because it seemed yeah. like the Jets struggled to get zone time in the first place. Oh, for sure. Like they would get maybe one chance or two chances off the faceoff. The Flames would clear it, and then the Jets just could not find a way to get reset up again. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think maybe part of that is I would now this is just what I've noticed um, from the players that they've got on that power play. A lot of their best power play performers are going to be guys that are good in the final third, and not necessarily guys that are good at getting into the final third. If that makes sense. Sure. So like Kyle Connor, what does he do best? He, he shoots. He shoots and he dangles. Yes. He's not necessarily the entry guy. Ehlers is the entry guy. He's not on their top power play, I don't think, if I got that correct. Well, maybe he was when Chifley's out. Um, Blake Wheeler, I guess, is one of the guys that you might look, hey, maybe we can get him into, use him to get into the zone. Um, but that's maybe just something not. Maybe I'm making that up as I'm going. This is entirely possible. Um, so yeah, that's what would have, that's what I would have to say about that. So I, I feel like the next question is, I mean, you said you were talked out about this pretty much. Do you think? Pardon? You said you were pretty much talked out about this. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we've said quite a bit the last few weeks. Um, it kind of comes down to the same talking points. Yeah. So, I guess the better question is, where do the Jets go from here? And I'm not sure what the answer to that is. So, I, I, I've done a lot, of, a lot of thinking about this. And I think I want to start with the bad. Okay. I'm going to start with the bad, and then work my way into the good. Okay. And see what you have to think about this. So the bad. Jets have no defense. Yes. The Jets have nobody down in the middle other than Shifley, and I would argue Blake Wheeler, but that's beside the point. Um, if if Brian Little is healthy, maybe they can put him up there. Maybe I don't know somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't, but I still don't know if I would consider Brian Little a second line center. So they really need a second line center. Um, they might have some players that can fill in. Like I, I like Andrew Coppa's third line center. Um, although he's, they weren't having him on center, so maybe not. Maybe Adam Lowry plays center. Anyway, um, so they need centers. They need defensemen. I felt like you were just snapping the uh, the drum fill in, in the air tonight. <laughs> um, so they've got they've got holes to fill. But the good news is, the good news is that there is a lot of talent on this Jets team. It yeah, is there. Yeah. And I know I just pointed out a bunch of holes, but if, if they can re-sign Dylan DeMello, that fixes part of the need on defense. Uh, Josh Morsey has been good. Maybe he's playing in a role that he's expected a little bit more of than he should be, but that's fine. Um, they've got plenty of skill on the wings. You know, we talk about all the talent they've got in that top six and even even some wing depth. And if we see, you know, if this if we can see more of what this series was from Adam Lowry or Andrew Kopp, 
bam, perfect. Jansen Harkins, if he can take another step next year, if, you know, um, Jack Roslovic continues to develop the way he is, they are they like they've got a forward group that is really really good, and I think they only need a few pieces to re- be really really dangerous. I would say you know, and we've got they've got young defensemen that are I think if you want to bring in Dylan Sandberg next season and uh, Hanala uh, and have them maybe take a step back and learn from the veterans, if you can bring in maybe one more veteran defenseman, I think that's a pretty decent, not great, but better than what you started this season with. And then, you know, I I, I don't know if we can trust Connor Hellebuck to, to do what he did again this season, to do that again, replicate it. But the pieces are there. I think the Jets can be really dangerous moving forward. And the other component of this that I think is really good for the Jets, we, we've seen this season just how resilient these guys are. Like, they have been tested so much this season. Um, and, you know, what I think it was Marat made this point. You know, if this is where the story ends, what has all of that struggle been for? For nothing. And I wonder if we don't see the payoff of the struggle until next season. Right. Um, I, I forget where I heard this, but if you want a happy ending, it depends on where you end the story. And it's really tempting to end the story after each season. But sometimes the end of the season is just a cliffhanger. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. So I I, I think if Sheveldayoff makes the right moves and Palmer Reese is in a little bit better of a position to do what he wants to do with this team next season, because that's one of the things I think we kept hearing is, well, he didn't really have, you know, he was limited by his personnel, he didn't have the freedom to do what it is that he likes to do with this team. Maybe maybe we see this team take a step forward next season and really become the contender that they were built to be two years ago. Yeah, so one of the things I was wondering if they would take a chance on with uh, the second-line center thing, it was two things. One, uh, you know how sometimes GMs talk about how draft picks can also be currency? Oh, boy. Jets have picked number 10. They could either, A, trade that for an, for another center, or one of the, if one of the centers in the draft falls to them, you know, that could be your solution. Maybe not for next year, but yeah. you know, in the future. In the meantime... Could Andrew Cott be your number two center? I think ideally Andrew Cops are third line center. If you're trying to build a team that's going to compete and not not just make the playoffs, but make a run next season, I don't think Andrew Cop can be your number two center. But is that could that be the Jets' best move for a year? Maybe. And I'm not, I don't like the, I guess the alternative to that is I don't like, and see, this is where I think the Jets are in a bad position, because I don't particularly like who they've got on the roster to fill that number two center spot, but I also don't, I don't like the idea of trading that number 10, 
Okay. That trading that number 10 selection. And I'm not going to dismiss don't trade it in any circumstances, but the reason I don't like trading away that number 10 is because the Jets desperately need to rebuild their farm system. Ah, so you're saying don't do what uh, Mur uh, Murat proposed and go with, I think he said, like a, like the first or a first and then uh, Connor and Roslovic for Jack Eichel. Is that what Marat proposed? Yeah, that's what Marat proposed. Not not that they should do that, but like, you know, I, I, if you if the Jets were if you had to make a Jets Eichel trade proposal, what it would look like. I'm not one to disagree with Marat. I don't like that that move. I Jack Ro I think Jack Rossley is one of the bright spots on this roster because he's very good and he hasn't reached his ceiling yet. But uh, yeah, so there's that. Um, is that is that his best offer? I don't know. That was just, I, that was just what he proposed. So it was, it was a first Jack Roslovic and what? Kyle Connor. No, no, no. What? <laughs> I like how I heard that. And instead of going, oh, we're trading Kyle Connor in this scenario, I went protect Jack Roslovic at all costs. Uh, I think. Oh well, that might have also been. Uh, Dependent on them winning the lottery because you just oh. replace Lafreniere. But um, anyway, so but I do kind of agree with his idea that if you're going to have to trade a forward, like Kyle Connor's probably the best one to do it mm. because one he's coming off a big year. Two, his contract's pretty decent, um, and three, yeah. it's it's a good balance of um, like like what you can get back. While also like finding ways to still be able to replace that. How long is it? His contract's like two years left, right? Something because they no, signed. They I thought, no, I, he went. That one's line is. I thought Connors was the long one. Mm, that's possible. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kyle Connors runs until twenty twenty six. Okay, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Never mind. But um, anyway, I was trying to figure out. What it yeah, so I thought. The Andrew Coppett 2C idea, though, could be a good one. Uh, Paul Maurice commented on it and said that uh, as a two-way center, uh, Paul Maurice says he understands Cop's argument, but Cop needs to be able to generate offense with his two wings, have to produce. He's not far off it. I, You know what? I don't... I, I think... I don't hate it. I'm rethinking this now because you brought up the two wings, and I'm like, if those two wings are Ellers and Line, I'm all in. That's all I want is Ellers, Cop, Line. Yeah, I mean, I feel that I I think they could do it. I think, but also it would help a lot in this situation if we had more to go off. I mean. They could have experimented with that during the season. They could have. They could. Have. Although I will say that that was the one line that worked really well in that that playoff series was Cop and um, Lowry. Lowry, yes. Lowry. I don't. I'm not sharp this morning, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's five in the afternoon. Oh, it is. It is. Hour. I said this morning. I'm not sharp today. Yeah. Well, it's a Sunday. Whatever. I took a three-hour nap today. I'm good. How are you? 
I mean, are you sure about that? I'm not. That's my excuse for being not sharp. Gotcha. Okay. But yeah, I think the other thing that they have to do is re-sign Dylan DeMello. Oh, absolutely. That to me, that's, that, that's priority numero uno. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know you can't really over, completely overhaul a defensive core in one offseason, but to me, that's the easy first step. Is that the first step, or is re-signing Jack Roslevic the first step? No, that's the first step. Because he's on an RFA deal as well. Yeah, but you mean you, you can figure that out later. You still you have plenty of leverage there. You don't have leverage on a guy who can hit the open market. How much do you think Jack Rosvick is going to need per year? Do you think? I don't think that Three much. Three million, uh, probably somewhere around there. Three and a half, maybe. Probably somewhere. There. If he goes three and a half for three years, I think that's a very good deal. You might see guys take more bridge deals this year because I like um, the bridge deal idea for the players. Yeah, because it's not great for the team, but. Well, well, it's great for the team in those three years. Well, yes. But anyway, so the idea is that like, if you take the uh, bridge deal now, while the salary cap is going to stagnate, oh, you know, yeah. hopefully by the time that contract is up, things will be back to normal. <laughs> fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed on that. I hate the term new normal. I have to hear new normal once. <laughs> new normal once again. No, uh, unprecedented times is my is my least favorite. Yeah, so Evolving Wild has uh, them predicted to give uh, Jack Roslevic uh, basically $2.83 million for two years. So Okay. Kind of right I think 2.8 is lower than what I, for my evaluation of Jack Roslevic, because I think he still has another step or two before he hits the ceiling. I think 2.8 is a very team-friendly deal. Um, unless, I mean, two years again, after two years maybe, then he gets it. Right, but it's, it's just to give you a general project. idea of what that could look like. Yeah. But yeah, certainly some big decisions ahead to make for the Jets. Um, as for what we're going to do for the rest of the playoffs, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we can cover, this is, maybe we can experiment with covering the rest of the league for the playoffs. I don't, I don't know, know how the network will feel about yeah. that, but I don't know. But what do you guys want us to talk about yeah. for the rest of the playoffs? Yeah, let us know. Do you want more armchair GMs? <laughs> do, you, do you want us to find more ways to acquire Anthony Sorelli through an offer sheet? And if you have a trade deal for J Jack Eichel, no, let me know. No. My ad is at TC underscore 904. Hit up the DMs. If I was a Sabres fan or a Maple Leafs fan, I don't think I'd be able to put up with the armchair GMs. Because I'm pretty sure all the Maple Leafs ones are just them spamming, like, okay, trade Tavares or Nylander or Marner. Yeah, do the Leafs blow things up now? No. Just out of frustration? They can't. They really can't. The Leafs, I could... So I guess this is my other point for the Jets as well. But the Leafs are a team that I could see them going, you know what we need to do in the offseason? Bulk up on grit. And that's where we do best. Who are the grittiest players at the Leafs? Yeah, and the but Jets can go after. Because that, the Jets, I can see going from after this series against the, the Flames to go, we need someone that can uh, protect our, our stars. We can't have this happen again. So they're going to go after some gritty players. And I... Again, there are good gritty players and there are bad gritty... Ooh! Wayne Simmons to the Jets? Who no, says no? Stop. Well, okay, one year, not five million, one year, three million for Wayne Simmons. 
Anyway, um, so you got anything else other than bad Arthur GM ideas? <laughs> uh, not really. All right. So um, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Gripper Sixty Pod. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at bferrell 77 You can follow TC on Twitter and give him all of your bad armchair GM yes. ideas at TC underscore. Or you can four. message the podcast at GritPer60Pod. God. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> message me first, because Brendan doesn't want the, to deal with this. Yeah. In our, in our main Twitter for some reason. Anyway, um, thank you for listening and have a good one. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.